Vance, good to have you here at 10 o'clock service. Uh, thank you for, again, like Pastor Tiffany said, helping us move forward into these new service times. Uh, 8.30 group was amazing, and I believe you're going to be just the same. Um, my gosh, you got up, and you're taking a chance that you're going to get something today that will help you. And uh, we don't ever, honestly, we don't ever take that for granted. Uh, you could be anywhere else. You could be fishing. You could be on the beach. You could be surfing. You could be doing anything else. Uh, unless you could be having a baby. <laughs> She's right there at the edge of having a baby. And uh, so uh, we're just glad that you're here. We really, really are. Why don't you tell somebody, so glad, so glad. you're here. Um, as Pastor Tiffany said, we are answering this question, you know, just get, engaging in some conversations together, uh, just really getting you to talk. And uh, if you remember, I want to take us back to the beginning of the year, because we've had, we've had quite a bit of growth since the beginning of the year. Some people that are even in this service are uh, new to the things going on at Coastal. But every year we launch into a purpose or a direction that uh, Coastal's going, and this year we're answering. Uh, actually, we posed a question to all of us. We said, what matters? Uh, that's the question. We said, what matters in God's plan and purpose for my life? Because we use this scripture. Remember, we founded it on the fact that the scripture says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. Matter of fact, look at somebody and say, you got plans, but are they the right plans? And we're going to spend a whole year looking into this. And when we thought about this subject of, of, of friendships, uh, I mentioned to her, I said, you know, I think sometimes with believers or Christians, and, and the only thing that, that qualifies a believer or a Christian it's really not the church you go to. It's, it's not the color of your hair, the clothes that you wear, or anything like that. It's really having a relationship with Jesus. At some point on your journey in this walk, uh, on this earth today, you, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you said you asked Jesus to come into your life, and he became the Lord of your life. And what that simply means is you are endeavoring to live life according to the scriptures. You're allowing the Bible to be the thing that answers the directions and the plans for your life. And I said, you know, sometimes what happens, though, <clears throat> for Christians, I can't speak for maybe an unbeliever as much anymore, uh, but as a believer, it, it seems that we have a tendency to exclude something that's really, really important. It's called common sense. Uh, I, I mean, you know, some of you got it. More of you did in this service than the first service. But, uh, I mean, common sense is something that seems to be excluded, that, you know, God's uh, we, we started the beginning of the year and we defined your makeup. We defined you and said that you, uh, you know, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And, and all that simply means is that, that you're unique. And you're created in the likeness and the image of God. And, and he's given you the ability to think for yourself. And to think for yourself at his leading is what's important. But man, when it comes to choices of relationships and friendships, I think we ignore common sense. Man, it's probably not best to be spending a whole lot of time here. Listen to this scripture. Proverbs 3, 21 through um, <clears throat> 23, the message. Dear friends, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. <laughs> I like that. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well and keep you fit and attractive. I look at somebody and say, you sure do look good today. Uh, well, well, did you realize that common sense can make you look good? Making good choices, good decisions based upon you don't have to have someone always tell you what to do. You know what to do. You've got God living in you. <clears throat> well, we asked ourselves this question and we started discussing it a little bit. Have you ever asked this question to yourself? What does it mean to be unequally yoked? 
And a lot of times we pull out of Ephesians with that scripture and, and we focus on marriages. We're not going to do that today. We focus on, you know, you know, having the same values and things like that. But, but what does it mean to be unequally yoked? And simply yoked meaning, who am I teaming up with? Who, who am I spending my time with? Who am I spending my life with? Who's guiding? Who am I walking? Now, yoke means it's like it's two animals putting them together, and they've got this harness on them. And, and when one pulls one way, the other one's going with them. And, and when this one pulls, this one's going with them. You're, you're going in some, some of the similar directions to get to the same destination. And so when it comes to the subject of unequally in friendships, I, I want to focus on that just a little bit. There's really four levels of friendships that we have. There's acquaintances, there's the casual friendship, there's the close friendship, and there's an intimate friendship. And guess what? We all have all of them. We all have acquaintances. I mean, I've got lots of friends. But when I look at the subject of, of what does it mean to be unequally yoked, yoked is a little bit more important. When, when, when we ask this question, those that are close, those that are intimate, have the more influence in our life. That's who I want to see who am I yoked with. That's who I want to see, are they priority in my life? And so Proverbs thirteen twenty. listen to this scripture. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And the word fools means those that are rebellious. So those that walk with the rebellious, there's going to be a result. You'll be destroyed. Yoking ourselves to some friendships, becoming intimate and close to them. Did you know the Bible has some things to say about that to be avoided? In other words, you're to avoid these relationships. But before we even delved into that too much, and we probably won't in this service, because we really went into a lot of explanation with some friendships, uh, close friendships with believers. To, you actually, there's some believers to avoid, believe it or not, in the Scriptures. But we wanted to talk about this subject, unequally yoked with those that are unbelievers. There is an unequalness to an unbeliever and a believer in the same value and pathway that you're going. And we don't ever want to give you the impression that you're to avoid that. You can't. Like I said, you've got all kinds of friendships and relationships. Believe it or not, I probably have more friends that are unbelievers than I do that are believers. And I do that intentionally. I'm on purpose. It's part of my mission. It's part of my purpose. I, I, I just enjoy being around them, but I never lose sight of why. And that's what's so important. Pastor Tiffany? Um, I'm going to read you a scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. I think it educates it. Pastor Tiffany, have you read that? Maybe that was passing from something. And um, if you get an opportunity, if you are on your app, um, on the Christian Entertainment app, they have a notes app. Or if you just jot yourself a note real quick, on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, if you're, if you're taking notes, if you'll look those up in the Passion Translation, because um, there's a portion of the scripture that we put, didn't put up there, and I, and I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allude to it, but I, I want you to hear something. It says, stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. And, and, and there's another part of this that Pastor Stephen and I are going to share with you a little bit about, is that, is that spending time with unbelievers, and Pastor Stephen mentioned that he has relationships with unbelievers. But hold on just a second. Let me, let me read this. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? Because we've, we've used that, that, that terminology before. What does it mean to be unequally yoked? Um, well, the scripture um, uses it to define 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 in the Passion Translation. Check this out. Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. 
For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who can mingle light with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, I looked this up in the commentary, actually. I looked this up in the commentary, and Paul says this. Paul urges believers not to team up. That is, form partnerships with unbelievers because this might weaken their Christian commitment, integrity, or standards. It would be a mismatch. Now, now, now what's interesting here is, is we spent about an hour and a half, almost two hours, discussing this as we were preparing and studying. Because immediately, we, you begin to think, well, if I'm not supposed to have relationships with a non-believer or a non-Christian, how are they to ever know Christ, right? Isn't that what immediately comes to your thought? Because that's what immediately came to mind. I want to know. I want to know how to how to how to reach people that are far from God. So, so so he talks about this in the commentary. He says this does not mean isolating yourself from unbelievers. Paul says in First Corinthians nine and ten that 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 would mean leaving this world. How many of you have work around people that don't know Christ? People. How many of you have relatives? Sometimes we can keep our hands up for all of them. We have neighbors. We have all these people around us. So we obviously cannot not spend time with non-believers. We cannot spend, because guess what? That would mean isolating ourselves and leaving this world. But Christians should do everything in their power to avoid situations that could keep them, that could make them divide their loyalties. So this is about yoking up with somebody. So I have one goal. When I am friends with a non-believer or a, a, a person who doesn't follow Christ, I have one goal. Because I want to be friends. The, how are they to know it? How, how, how are they to come to know Christ? So when I'm friends with a non-believer, here's the deal. My whole goal is for them to come to know Christ. The only reason. Now, now I say that with, um, with a little bit of care because I'm not trying to be friends with them for the only reason that I want them to come to know Christ. But guess what? My whole goal is because I know that my relationship with them, hopefully having a relationship with me, is they'll let them see the goodness of God. And the goodness of God does what? Draws them to repentance. Draws them to repentance. The scripture tells us that the goodness of God is what draws a man to repentance. So when, when people spend time with me, and, they, and if they're a non-believer, hopefully they're going to see Christ in us, right? Isn't that our goal? It's for the people that don't know Christ, for them to see Christ in us. And then as they see Christ in us, it's the love of God that brings a man to repentance. My whole goal in spending time with those that are far from God is that they might come to know God and experience God through me that they might receive him. Amen? Because I, I want to share something with you. I'm not going to get advice from a non-believer on my marriage. I'm not. Because non-believers, they don't have, they're not heading the same direction as I am. They're not, I'm not probably going to get advice on my finances from a non-believer. I'm probably not. Because I don't feel like they're going to say, you should tithe. They're probably going, but guess what? So, I, so I'm not going to get advice from them. I'm not going to, I don't, if, if I want godly counsel, then I'm going to go to it. Because the word of God says a wise person seeks advice, right? We know that. A wise, so, but I'm going to get advice from somebody who's going to give me godly wisdom, godly encouragement, godly strength. But that doesn't mean that I don't have friendships with non-believers. But my goal with my friendships with my non-believers is to bring them to the knowledge of Jesus Christ that they might know God, have find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Then when they become a believer, they spend some time in the Word, if I'm going through a tough time, I'm not talking to them to say, hey, you know what, I, man, I'm going through a tough time, what do you got to say? Amen? 
So do not be confused about that part of it. We are friends with non-believers, but our goal in that is to bring them towards Christ. Amen? Here's another way to look at it. I, as a believer, I'm not going to yoke myself. Yep. Matter of fact, grab your hands like this if you can. Okay? Pull against yourself. I'm not going to yoke myself in such a way that it begins to take me away from my values to eventually cause me to compromise. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to get wisdom. I'm going to get direction. I'm going to learn from uh, uh, biblical principles, but I'm also going to learn from worldly principles. There's a lot of good things out there in this world. There's common sense to be used, common sense to be had. But when it comes to this place of yokeness where it's intimate, where it's close, really matters in my plan and my purpose in my life. That's the question. And when it comes to that place, am I unequally yoked? And I think that what happens is we have a tendency at times with the right motive to start with because we, we want to get them to that place of knowing God and all of that. But if you start to do it a little bit more than maybe some of those values you have, the Bible says very clearly that you will be deceived. It will lead you astray. It will pull you away. In Psalms 1, verse 9, it says this, Oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. It says this about it. It says, Our friends and associates, now I love this verbiage from this commentary, Our friends and associates can have a profound influence on us, often in very subtle ways. If we insist on friendships with those who mock what God considers important, isn't that interesting? who mock what God considers important, we might sin by becoming indifferent, indifferent to the God's will. This attitude is the same as mocking. Do our friends build up our faith or do they tear it down? True friends should help draw you closer to God and not hinder your relationship with him. So here's the conclusion to that little bit. I'm challenging us to not lose sight of the mission that every individual in this room has as a believer. We've all been called to the mission or the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling people to a relationship with Christ and the kingdom of God. I'm not telling you don't have relationships. You can define, define whatever relationships you want. But don't lose sight, especially when it comes to this one type of person. Definitive person. They don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with him. You could be the very pivotal moment in their life of eternity. And I just don't want to ever uh, walk away from that passionate moment there. And I'm not looking for intimacies with them in a way. Hey, man, I'm just having a bad day. Come help me out today. No, 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 no. I, I honestly don't allow myself to go there. I can relate to what they're going through because I found someone that helps me walk through that with a victory. Amen. Now listen, first service we answered some questions along the lines of how about believing Christians? How about believers? Are there relationships that we would avoid there? Absolutely. I gave two examples. I don't want to go into it today in this service because I really want to talk about offense because we've all been offended, right? Yeah. But the Bible does say avoid relationships, close intimate yoke relationships with gossips. You know what a gossip is? <laughs> that person that puts your stuff all over Facebook. Uh, that you trusted and you put confidence. The Bible says avoid that person. 
The Bible says avoid that person that's discontented, that's critical, that has a bad temper, that's angry. It says don't associate with those people. The Bible can give you instruction with friendships, with believers, those people to avoid. But let's ask this question in this service. Let's talk about it. How about this? <clears throat> what to do when offense comes? Uh, Luke chapter uh, 17, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus talking, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. I love the definition of the word impossible here uh, in, in its original writing. It says it's unthinkable. <laughs> it's unthinkable to think that I'm not going to offend somebody. I probably offended you already today. Or you're not going to be offended. The Bible says, you know what, that that's coming. And here's the definition of the word offense. It's really cool. I love it because it opens up some good places for conversation. It says, something that outrages the moral and physical senses. Anybody in here ever been offended? Yeah, two hands. Anybody? I was offended yesterday. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and no, 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 no. We're going to deal with this. <laughs> it's helping me get through it. <laughs> so I can let it go. You're was, this is my story. Okay. I was taking a nap. Agreement with her, we could take naps. We were had a full day yesterday and the day before, and every day is full, but I was taking a nap. Now, you might be different than me. A nap is not 15 minutes. A nap, it takes me 30 minutes to actually fall asleep. A nap is a good hour. Actually, I love to have a good hour and a half nap. That's a real good one. I was up on my deck last night, yesterday. The Bluegrass Festival was going on. There was a, I'm on the backside. There's a strong, good northeast breeze coming. Man, it was heaven. It was awesome. Um, you might not like bluegrass, but it was good music that day. And, and I was sound asleep, and all of a sudden, I knew I hadn't been asleep long because of the way I felt. And she came up, time to get up, time to get up. <laughs> we about had a good one. No. <laughs> well, hey, I let it go. I was in the, we were in the middle of studying. It came on down, and I said, guess we're going to be grumpy then. <laughs> My physical senses were not good at that moment. But we, but I want to encourage you because guess what? We not only have we been offended, but we've offended before. Anybody? Have you ever offended anybody? We we do it, and sometimes you just have to. But I want to read you. I came across the scripture yesterday, and I don't know that I've ever seen it before. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter two, verses twenty through twenty-two. I thought I just kind of laughed out loud to my, out out loud to myself. It says, "Not a single person on this earth is always good and never sins." Don't you love that? So it kind of lets you off the hook. Not a single person, not, not one of us is always good and never sins. But check this out. So don't eavesdrop on others. You may hear your servant curse you. And then I love it. it says, For you know how often you have cursed others. So the reality of it is, is guess what? The bottom line is we've offended and people have offended us. We've had these situations in our life. And today we're going to kind of really talk about, you know, what those look like, what, what causes offense. What are we going to do when we are offended? Especially in the body of Christ, I, I'm, I'm really, um, in, I want to encourage us as believers and people inside these four walls that we have to operate um, with offense very differently than the rest of the world, how the rest of the world operates. We cannot choose to stay offended. We cannot gossip. We cannot murmur. We cannot be irritated. The word of God says don't act rude or act unbecomingly. It's very important because this is going to happen to all of us. We're always going to have a chance to, to be offended, and there's a way that we're supposed to act when that happens. So what do you do if you've been offended? Well, the Matthew 18 principle is the first, maybe a good start. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. 
It says when you've been offended, somebody's upset you, somebody's messed you up and made you have a bad day or something like that. It says go to that person. I think we as believers, we're afraid of confrontation. We'd rather push it under the rug and just keep getting bitter about it and hold on to it for a while. And then that person's clueless and says, look, go to the person and guess what? Tell them what's going on. Tell them, hey, man, you, you offended me. You, you, you messed me up a little bit here. And the Bible says if he accepts that, you've restored and gained that brother back. The next step says, okay, guess what? If he doesn't figure it out, if he doesn't get it, uh, if he looks and says, man, I'm clueless. I didn't know it. Hey, good, good feelings, happy, kissy, all of that. But if he says, look, man, no, 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 you don't understand. This is what you did. The Bible says take it to another person. Take a witness with you. Not a gossip. <laughs> Not a gossip. Well, take it, go to the next level. Take somebody with you. And then there's a third level. There's actually a couple more levels, but the next level is, look, if two people don't get it, two or three witnesses, it doesn't work, man, take it to leadership. Take it to somebody that could be a mediator amongst yourselves. Well, that's a good start, but you know what? We have to come to this place. The ultimate goal of any offense, given to or receiving, has to be restoration for the believer. We have to come to this place where restoration is something that I'm going to focus on going after. What I love about when you read that Matthew 18 part of it is every single time it says the whole goal is restoration, restoration, restoration. So we wrote down a couple things that we think will help you with this process. Um, one, when you're, get, when you're offended, no, the first thing you should do is examine your own heart. Examine your heart and don't go to someone in anger with an attitude of getting into it. Sometimes we go to people and we say, you know what, I just want to make sure that, that, that you get this right. You know, you've offended me and you're in the wrong. I, I feel like you need to hold off with that real quick. And you just need to take some time and say, you know what, I'm going to ask God to show me maybe that person's heart. I, maybe I should see things differently. Don't go to them in a rude, unbecoming manner. Well, the Bible says, be quick to hear, but slow to speak. Yeah. How about this? Let that person know that if you, your desire is to bring restoration to this relationship, how about this? Acknowledge you may have taken whatever the person said in a way that they never intended it to be taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's another one here I think is important, too. Don't go to others and complain about the situation. Again, am I willing to open up a dialogue of conversation to bring restoration? So, so in all reality, we can always take this high road of the love walk and not be offended. And even if you go to somebody and, and make it right because there's tension or there's awkwardness, I, I want to encourage you, a believer really, sometimes if we're not careful, how, you can get in an awkward relationship with somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been in an awkward relationship with? Just three people. You're all nodding, kind of half smiling, which means that you don't want to raise your hand, but you know it's true. So we get in these awkward relationships with people, and then what we do is we avoid you know, you like you see them and you like find somebody else to talk to. But I encourage you in those situations when it's awkward, meet with them, have coffee, let the love of God prevail in our relationship. Sometimes it doesn't have to be intimacy, but it does have to be good in the sight of God. Amen. So let's answer the question: How? Let's take it to the scripture level. Let's take it to the word level. Those are kind of our opinions, kind of our thoughts. Well, let's let's go to the word level. What does the Bible say? What matters in this plan and purpose for my life? What matters if an offense comes my way? How, Pastor? How am I going to handle that? Mm-hmm. Ephesians 4, verse 2, the Passion Translation. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and 
generous love toward one another, especially, I love this, especially toward those who may try your patience. I love this verse in Titus 1, 10, 11, and it just says this. It says this, a wise person, there we go back to the word wise, from the very beginning. Remember, we're wise people. A wise person demonstrates patience. For mercy means holding your tongue. When you are insulted, be quick to forgive and forget it, for you are virtuous. I looked up that word virtuous and what it means. It says this, you are ethical, you are principled, you are exemplary, you are honorable. For you are all those things when you open, look, and study. Isn't that amazing that you are honorable, exemplary, when you overlook an offense? So if you do the things prior, we encourage you to do the things prior, go to the people. But you're even, you're even in a higher place when you overlook an offense. So let's summarize what we've talked about. We started off by answering the question, what matters? What matters in God's plan for my life? And then we brought it into this place, what matters to God, ultimately, I think, is the mission we don't ever want to forget. The lost are really important to him. Just like you were at some point in your life when Jesus was introduced to you, for whatever reason, whatever place of life you were in at the moment, something happened in your heart, and you were drawn, and you were pulled by a goodness that's beyond yourself and beyond anybody else and maybe that came from someone that was just willing to friend you or be, is it befriend or friend you someone that was willing to just live life around you but there was something different about them that caused you to, to not feel guilty caused you not to be condemned caused you not to even feel like you were a bad person there was something about that person that made you want I want what church you got what is it I'm asking you, ask yourself those questions within relationships that you yoke with. The casual, the, the, when you go into the next level of intimacy and closeness, even in the world of the unbeliever, we're going to have some. I know we will. And we, we, we can rub shoulders. But are you, I hate to use the word you, let's do it this way. Are we are we leading people to instead of leading people away? Or are they leading me away when really I'm the one that should be the example to them? That's our first thought today. The unbeliever is important. Don't lose sight of that mission. And then this next thought is that, you know what? The Bible said that you and I, every one of us, we would be offended and offense was going to come. It, it, it's unthinkable to think that it's not. But the Bible gives us some clear instruction how to approach that. And this is ultimately the number one goal. Anytime offense shows up in your life, and it's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. You're not going to feel like this all the time. It's an adjustment to really pursue restoration. Uh, hold on with me. Especially when you think you're justified in the offense. We... we, we we feel like we're justified many times because you, you made me feel this way. For the believer, we're not going to choose to be moved by those feelings. We're going to choose to be moving by doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that is I'm choosing to not allow that offense to take root and become a root of bitterness. When it becomes a root of bitterness, that sets you up for destruction. 
And then we're no good for that anybody, especially ourselves or our family. Would you make a commitment with me as we pray together? Would you make a commitment with me to just, you know, it matters. Make a commitment to make an adjustment to question those relationships that we're intimate with. The unbeliever and offense. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Pastor Stephen and I are in the middle um, of a series called Let's Talk About It. And this is the third part of that series. And this morning, we're going to spend some time um, really talking about relationships. Not necessarily marriage relationships, but relationships with all kinds of friendships. Anybody got any friends in the house? Only three of you have friends. <laughs> you know what the Bible says about friends? It's very interesting about friends. Hey, you're my friend. Um, the thing that the Bible says about friends, uh, Kenzie and I had this talk once when she was in middle school, and she was kind of boohooing about friends. And um, I said, I don't know what to tell you because the Bible says um, if you show yourself friendly, you'll, you'll have friends. So if you don't got one, don't check up on them. Check up on you. Just saying. That was crazy. I didn't say that in any other service. Um, but um, anyway, so we're going to be talking about relationships this morning. And, and so we're going to be in this three-part series. And, um, and I want to put a little plug out there. Next week, we're going to be with our friends Todd and Tara Morrison. Todd's right back there. Can you wave at him, Todd? He was also on the keys this morning. Don't you love the keys like that? Some good stuff. And uh, Todd was a music teacher, correct, for a while. And I'll let him and his wife, Tara. Tara's a middle school um, teacher at Manio Middle. And we're going to be talking next week on parenting. And just um, they have four beautiful kids. And um, we have um, three, four, five amazing kids, um, depending on when you come to our house. We could have two. We could have three. We could have four or five. And um, our kids are adult children at this point. And so we're just going to be sharing a little bit about, we don't, we're not perfect. I'm sure that they don't think they're perfect. We for sure don't think we're perfect. If you've met our kids, they're not perfect. Um, but we have learned some things from God's word and just some practical wisdom that we're going to be sharing with you. So that's next week. So hey, hey, it's good to see you. Yeah. Glad you're here for the 11 o'clock service. And uh, I really do. I appreciate that because, uh, of course, you've got options now, a little bit op more opportunity with choice. And, uh, you know, uh, you're taking up your time instead of hanging out on the beach right now, maybe jumping in a boat or hitting on a surfboard or something like that. And uh, it, we're honored that you're here. And uh, we believe that uh, there are some things that we can talk about as, as a group of believers and uh, that will help us in, in, in life and where we're going right now. We, we really do. As a matter of fact, why don't you look at somebody and say, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear what she said about friending people. Is it befriend or friend? How do you? How, what does that mean? Show yourself friendly and you'll have friends in this befriend, I guess. But, uh, you know, you just did that. Just by looking at the person next to you and you sat, took that opportunity to say, hey, man, I'm so glad you're here. You just friended that person. Now you're friends for life. You can, you can you know, get close and pansy with each other. No, I'm just kidding. No, really, we want to talk about a couple things. And uh, each service, we've hit just a couple different questions. One, we've hit every service with the same question and, and really going down the road of understanding some things about being unequally yoked. But before we do that, I just want to kind of bring us up to speed. You know, at the beginning of the year as a church, we've got a lot of new people that have come into the church since January. And uh, we launched out onto what we consider at Coastal our purpose for the year of 2019. In other words, just, it's what we're kind of focused on. And uh, we posed a question to all of us, the question of what matters. In other words, it's a question we're asking ourselves every day. What matters, but not just what matters, what matters in God's plan and purpose for my life for this year, 2019. 
And so that's forcing us to ask some, maybe some of the tougher questions. And as we started talking about this subject, especially with relationships and asking some of these tougher questions, we, we started talking about this subject of friendships. Uh, I just want to throw something out there at you, especially for the, the believer. Now listen, when we say believer, we're talking about what, what, what makes qualifies a person as a believer. It's not what church you go to. It's not the clothes that you wear. It's not, you know, how you wear your hair. It's not where you work. It's nothing like that. It's all based upon one thing, and that's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. At some point in your walk and in your journey, you you came into a place of contact with Him, with Jesus, and you welcomed Him into your life. And we're all on different levels of that. We're not all necessarily on the same page of understanding and even revelation. And the word revelation is really interesting. It simply means revealed truth. And when you get revealed truth from God, from heaven, it sets you free. It brings freedom into your life. But sometimes I think qualifying something as a believer, as a Christian, I think there's a piece to our walk that we have a tendency to ignore sometimes. And it's uh, actually this thought of having common sense. Sometimes we take the, we kind of throw that out and we just walk in this supernatural, which I want you to. I want us to walk in redemptive realities, what's, what belongs to me in this relationship. But God, we started at the beginning and we said that you, you were made in his likeness and his image. You, you are three-part being. You have a spirit. It's what's alive in the God. It's what makes you want more of him. And you have this mind, this soulless realm of you, which is really where you do all your thinking and your processing and your emotions. And everybody's got, matter of fact, look at somebody and say, you've got a bunch of emotions. And then when you take that world of emotion and you put that in this body and you start to try to balance that out, all I want you to understand is God's made you unique, every single person unique in a way that you can make good decisions. And sometimes good decisions are not just made kind of supernatural there there is some common sense to right choices to be made now one of the things that we established very quickly at the beginning of the year as we pursue this question we are basing our choices and our decisions based upon the scriptures based upon the word of god because the bible says many are the plans in a man's heart but it's only god's purposes that will prevail so we've got to find out what they are because the scripture tells us that, you know what, you can do anything in the world that you want, but just some things are not beneficial. And I think that I'm confident that that's where that realm of, of uh, common sense can play. Listen to this scripture on the subject of common sense. Proverbs 3, 21 through 23, the message translation. Dear friend, guard clear thinking and common sense with your life. Don't for a minute lose sight of them. They'll keep your soul alive and well. How about this? They'll keep you fit and attractive. So if I use common sense, I'm actually going to be attractive to people. Uh, I'm, maybe I'll have some friends. <laughs> you know, maybe those friends will come into my life. And, and so we asked ourselves yesterday multiple times and discussed it over and over and over again to even probably frustration at some point. But what does it mean to be unequally yoked? What does it mean when we think of that word yoked? If you look at the word yoked in the scripture, it simply means it's, it's like yoking two animals together and they're going in the same direction. You're on the same team, man. We have the same values. We're, we're going in the same direction. Uh, uh, you know, if, if I got to get there and I want, we're, we're always better together, but we're better when we're yoked. And 
We started asking that in the realm of friendships. What does it mean to be unequally yoked in the realm of friendships? There's really four levels of friendship. Uh, one level is a, an acquaintance. Another level is casual. And, and there's a level of friendship where it is close. But there's even another level beyond that where it gets intimate, maybe husband and wife. And we all have them all. You know what I mean? We all have a, a, a boundary or, or relationships. With, uh, matter of fact, I probably have more relationships with unbelievers than I do with believers. And so as we started asking that question, we wanted to be careful as we talk about some of these things. Unequally yoked does not mean I don't go into the world of an unbeliever. It doesn't mean that I don't give attention, and, and, but I want to make sure I'm going into their world with a mission behind it. I want to make sure I'm not forgetting something because there's a mission on every single person in this room, and that mission is to the ministry of reconciliation. But here's the key. Those two areas of friendships where you have closeness and you have intimacy, the yokeness of that, in this world, there's a chance that maybe being yoked in such a way that unbelievers might not be going in the same direction. You're not better than them. You might have more understanding of truth than them. But I want to make sure, are we going in the right direction with mission as believers for the unbeliever? Dr. Tiffany? And one scripture that I wanted to share with you, you talk about I did? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, um, I just want to share the scripture in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says this in the Passion Hymn Version. It says, Stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good and moral character. And we did ask ourselves, we began to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be unequally yoked? And so sometimes a lot of people just put that in the context of marriage. Anybody ever heard that scripture and they think it's just about marriage? But really, Paul was not dealing at all with marriage right there. Um, and, and it can apply. But, but I, I want you to see that in, this, in the Passion Translation, it says this. Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. Check this out. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? Who can mingle light with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and Satan? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And, and so... I looked this up in the commentary, and this is a very interesting thing. It says, Paul urges believers, here's an interesting word, not to team up. Not to team up. That means partnership with unbelievers because this might weaken their Christian commitment, integrity, or standards. It would be a mismatch. Now, now, now what Pastor Stephen alluded just a minute ago, but the interesting thing is, is when we, when we hear this, we begin to say, well, I thought it was my job as a believer to reach out to the non-believer, right? Do we all agree about that? Like, we've all heard that. We think, well, how is a non-believer supposed to reach a, how is a, how are we supposed to reach a, how is a, reach a non-believer? And it is our job to do that. But the reality of it is, is Pastor Stephen began to talk about being yoked up with people. And so we cannot yoke ourselves up with non-believer because it will pull us away from the very principles and the very things that God has on our life. So check this out. It says, um, it says, this does not mean isolating yourself from an unbeliever. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, and 10, that would mean leaving this world. But Christians should do everything in their power to avoid situations that, that could, could divide their loyalty. And, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit about, Pastor Stephen mentioned a little bit about where that line is for us. So our heart is that we want to reach out to unbelievers because we know that the love of God brings a man to what? Repentance. Repentance. So we know that a non-believer is not going to know about the love of God unless a believer shows them the love of God, right? 
So we have a responsibility as a believer, as a, somebody who's fully equipped with the, with the knowledge and the will and the plan of God. We have a job. The word of God says, go into the highways and the byways. Compel them to come in. They come to know us. I was even thinking yesterday about Zacchaeus. Je- it wasn't that Jesus did not fellowship with non-believers, right? He constantly, actually the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees, they were always ridiculing him for spending time with those people. But the reality of it is, is as he spent time with those people, it didn't weaken his, his path. It didn't weaken his purpose. It propelled his purpose. So we have to ask ourselves as Christians, the people that we yoke up with, the people that we do life with, the people that we spend our quality time with, are they taking us towards the direction or are they taking us away from the direction? And you, honestly, you have to be honest enough with yourself to say, when I spend time with this person, I walk away more, going more in the direction of God, or I walk away going away from the direction of God. You have to decide, are they taking you somewhere, or are you taking them somewhere? And that's the question that we want to ask ourselves. Are we unequally yoked? What are we going to do with the friendships in our life? What are we going to do with the relationships in our life? And Pastor Stephen spent a little bit of time, we're not going to go into it today, spent a little bit of time talking about there's even believers, there's even fellow believers that we should caution ourselves with spending quality time with. Even believers. One is a gossiper. And that is a person who repeats things that they've heard. And the other ones are people who are contentious, who have anger problems, and who are ill will. Those are the kind of people, even if they are a believer, the Bible says, be careful that you don't do friendship, close, intimate relationship with those kind of people. And so as you begin to take all of these relationships and put them into the same packet, close, intimate, those that uh, I'm casual with, and you start asking those different types of questions, again, finding myself in my yokeness towards them because the ones that I'm more close and intimate with are going to have the more influence in my life. And we found in second service, again, as she said, you can go there and and listen to it on the podcast, there are Christian relationships, believers that I want to avoid. But you take that to the next level, and we started asking another question, what do I do when offense comes at my direction? How do I handle offense? How do I approach offense? Have you ever thought about it within relationships, in the context of friendships? Do I, uh, do, you know, sometimes our, our loved walk compels us to go towards them, and sometimes our offense can hold you from going towards them. You know, yesterday, Pastor Tiffany really offended me tremendously. She, I was taking my, uh, an afternoon nap on Saturday, don't get a whole lot of time to do that. And uh, to me, a nap is a little bit more than 15 minutes. To Pastor Tiffany, a nap is 15 minutes. And uh, I, I was upstairs, I was on the deck, and I was outside, the northeast breeze was blowing, the bluegrass festival was going on, man, and I was just out. But man, it takes me about 30 minutes to get to sleep anyway, but then I have fallen off to a deep sleep, and all of a sudden, you, I, I thought the world had come to an end. She pops through the door, and she says, hey, it's time to get up, time to go. <laughs> I was offended, I had to make an adjustment, I was really mad, and I'm still processing it right now, that's why I'm telling you. <laughs> Because I'm, I, didn't, I didn't get my nap that I wanted. And I looked at the clock, and it had only been about 40 minutes, actually. And uh, so listen to me, guys. A couple of things we flipped to you are things we talked about in the last two services. And we challenge you to go to the uh, podcast and listen to them. We talk about some of these things. When it comes to offense, really, there's really an approach to overcoming it. And Matthew 18 is probably the best one. And that is, you know what? Go to the person that maybe you feel you are offended by. 
and approach them. And the Bible says that if they receive you, if they open up their heart to you, the Bible says restoration will take place. And, and that's got to be the ultimate goal when it comes to the world of offense. We want to constantly keep our focus on restoration. The Bible says that if they don't receive you and the door's not open, find a witness to go with you and approach it. Because, guys, sometimes people don't even know they've offended you. Maybe you might be the source of the offense. I don't know. But then if that doesn't even work, you find somebody to be a mediator. But ultimately what offense will take on your part to bring restoration really will be humility. But in this service, we want to go a little bit further in a couple, another question. I want to ask you this question this morning. As we talk about friendships and we talk about relationships, especially within the world of friendships, I think this one will really minister to all of us. Here's the question. How do I balance needing other people and not depending on people to meet my needs? Now listen, we have an amazing trust of heart and vision and compassion here because we, we always say it, we're better together. Matter of fact, tell somebody, man, we are better together. But sometimes if we're not careful, we want to be able to move beyond the need and become an answer to the need instead of always being the need. And what does that mean? If I'm always the need that has a need, I'm not moving forward in the walk with Christ. Because Christ is always in the relationship with him, and the scriptures will always move you to another step of glory to glory, the Bible calls it, but what you're coming to is another place of answer. You're coming to another. Ultimately, every step with God should be another step of victory. It should be another step to the place where I see my redemptive side of reality coming into my life. It's really called faith. Faith is really saying, you know what? I'm understanding that there's some truths here. I need you right now, but I want to yoke myself to the people that are going to walk me into the world of faith so I don't leave myself in the place of need. And I become that burden where I'm starting to pull backwards on my yoke. Matter of fact, put your hands just like this. Pull against yourself. When you're yoked and you become stronger on one side than the other, there's an imbalance of what you're yoked to. And we want to help us to stay to where we're yoked and we're going in the same direction. What do I do when my need is dependent on people more than maybe me being a blessing to the people I'm around? You know, a couple of scriptures that Share ye one another's burdens. So how many of you know that it's amazing to have somebody to do life with? Amen. Anybody been in a difficult place before and you just needed to dial a friend? Anybody at all? The, me, me too. There's nothing like saying, hey, can, I, can you just share my heart today? And so I, I want to be careful because the bot, you know, sometimes Christians can be the hardest on one another and we need to be the most empathetic. We need to mo- be the most kind and loving and caring people that there are. We need to be those kind of people. And so I want to encourage you, that scripture's in there for a reason. It says, bear ye one another's burdens. Because when you're going through something, so there is a part of this, this question that we're answering. How, how, do I, how do I meet people's needs? How do I do it and not become needy? Has anybody ever hung out with a needy person too? Right? And so we see those people and we're like, but, so we have to be careful that we're not saying, we don't say that. But let me read you the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 to 27 in the New Living. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all members, this is an interesting word, they what for each other? Can they see, can we see it? They what for each other? Care. They care for each other. If one part what? Suffers. Then all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, then all parts are glad. 
all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So we need to understand here really quick that, that there are going to be times in our lives where we're going to need each other, and it's okay to need somebody. It's okay to say, hey, you know, I'm going through a difficult season in my life. I, I'm going through a, a part of my life where I'm having a hard time sensing the presence of God, understanding the truth of God's word, to call upon each other and to do that. But, but, do, but we have a couple things that are kind of big clue-ins to know that if you're, you can ask yourself these questions, and this will define if you're needy. Can we talk about them real quick? Signs that you may be looking for others to meet your needs. Number one, paying compliments to gain approval. How about this one? Worried or insulted when someone disagrees with you. How about this? The ability to not say no. Spreading bad news or gossip to gain attention. Here's number five. Consistently apologizing for things. Now, some of these may seem like just kind of opinions, and, and they are in a sense. But when we ask this question, am I be a person that is dependent upon people more than I'm dependent upon God? Am I someone that's necessarily trying to get my needs fulfilled that only God can fill? Where, where this need thing becomes unhealthy is where, let's say you're in a relationship with someone, and all of a sudden they've done something to, to your dislike. You guys are close. You guys are unique, you know, kind of yoked up in who you are. And, and then all of a sudden, that person changes their behavior towards you for some odd reason. Maybe not because intentionally, maybe not because you've done something to cause it, but that behavior changes, and you didn't realize how much of a need they were filling in your life, and then all of a sudden your whole world's been wrecked. And for two days you can't work, two days you can't eat, for two days you're husband and wives. We try to get some of these needs fulfilled that way. I, I know when Pastor Tiffany and I have been in little disagreements, and, and we've had some words to share, and and we're, we're not necessarily uh, enjoying the moment with each other. Um, we're coming to that place where I, I probably am worse about this than she is. I can go, man, it, it just kind of rocks my whole day. I don't feel like I can do anything. I don't want to counsel. I don't want to talk. I don't want to get on the phone. I don't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to do anything until I know I got this right. And the Bible does say it hinders your prayers. That's kind of my out there. But am I trying to get something from her that she is not qualified to even give me? This is where it starts to become unhealthy. And where this unhealthy begins to be uh, fulfilled many times can look in the form of an addiction, can look in the form of food, can look in the form of overworking yourself, it can look in the form of overactivity. It, it, there's a myriad of things that it can look like, and we all probably have experienced some of that. But the question you really got to ask yourself, am I trying to get something filled that only God can fill? About the woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? And when Jesus came to her, and after she would have brought her son back to him and they spent some time together, he said, it's amazing when you look at her life that she must have had a need that wasn't fulfilled because she kept trying to fulfill it with so many different men around. And I don't, it just talks about the men, but I can't imagine her friends. I'm not sure what she was trying to get, but she had had five husbands, and the one she was with wasn't even her husband. 
and, and when we were mentoring there, he said, he said, you're trying to get something filled that only I can fill. And so we want to encourage you about, you know, that the body of Christ, we need one another. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to strengthen each other's up. And we, we, we've talked about countless times where, you know, Moses won the battle because Aaron and her were holding his arms up. And we need those kinds of people in our lives. But make sure you don't take that need and make it something where you're trying to get something from someone that only God can give you. Only God can satisfy us. Only God can fulfill us. And if our joy is moved based off of a person, then we need to check in. Because guess what? I'm going to disappoint you. Probably today. I disappointed him about the nap yesterday. I'm sure I can be creative enough to do it again today. Without even trying, I disappoint people. But the reality of it is, is, Pastor Stephen's not thrown off his rocker that much because guess what? He knows who he is in Christ. And so we encourage you in this growth process. Come in one way, but grow up in God. You might be needy coming in, but begin to cultivate your relationship to where you are at a place where people can serve you and you can serve them. Amen? Amen. So we dealt a lot with in second service the area of what to do when you're offended and we hope this conversation about friendship has been helpful. We know that a lot of people have questions about who should I be friends with? Who should I spend quality time with? It's important to know these questions. It's important to know what to do when you're offended. And it's important to know what to do with people who are needy. Can I tell you what to do with somebody that's needy a little bit? Since it's, I'm just going to give a little commercial. You know what we have launching today is called what? Small groups. Small groups. And sometimes we need to take people just from us to introduce them to other people. We really, we all have sometimes found where I can be sucking the life out of Pastor Stephen. And guess what? There's a couple more people if I just spread it out, then I wouldn't be sucking the life out of all of you. <laughs> and sometimes we just need to get people introduced to other people. And small groups is an amazing place to find friends, to find people that love God and to help you along your journey. And small groups is a great place to yoke together. What do I mean by you? Team up with. Yeah. Team up with someone that's going to be pulling you in the same direction. But if I can take and summarize, starting with the first thing that's most important, that we've hit every service consistently, is to never lose sight of the unbeliever. Checking out our relationships in that realm, am I trying to get something from them that I'm supposed to be bringing to them? Because that's the number one purpose in the heart of the Father is to see the lost, just like you had the experience. At some point on your journey where Jesus came into it, somebody, you are the difference maker in eternity for them. And that might mean that, you know what, they see something different about you, but you're, you're not, they're not pulling you this way. You're giving them, oh my gosh, what's different about them? Why are they always happy? <laughs> Why? What hey, that upset me, but for some reason I know it upset, upset them. I saw it do it, but, but quickly they had a smile on their face. What was the difference maker? What was something about that? I don't ever want us to lose sight as a church. As we move in the direction of relationships and friendships and figure all that out on ourselves and find those four places of intimate and, you know, casual, please... Don't ever lose sight of the number one mission 
when it comes to let's talk about relationship that the unbeliever is waiting for you to come alongside and to pull them to the place where you are don't come to the place they are and compromise to where they're pulling you away from the very values and the things that you stand for it could be their eternity has this been good today I mean it's short we don't have much time with our three services but we've done our best to take just some questions each time get you something to think about to talk about so that we can continue to discover what matters in 2019